What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Dr. Amy Myers is a functional medicine doctor, and we get to go deep on issues with candida, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and even mold. A ton of knowledge dropped on this podcast that can help bring you to optimal health. Enjoy it. What's up, everyone? We have a fucking powerhouse at the table today, Dr. Amy Myers, and of course, my man, Kyle Kingsbury. And we're going to tell you some informative shit about your health. That might scare you, but don't worry. We have <laughs> solutions as well. Because you might have things that you don't even know you had. You might be tired. You might be feeling like, man, I just can't fucking figure this shit out. Like, I'm taking my probiotics. I'm doing the things. But it's not working. That's the people that come to you, right, Dr. Amy Myers? Those are some of the people that come to me. <laughs> and then I see the people who have been you know, to 10 other doctors and around the world. Those people come to me, too. So some of your specialties involve both you know, intestinal issues, thyroid issues, which are all kind of related. Absolutely. So, you know, just kind of give an overview of, of kind of where your specialty lies and what people who, you know, might be experiencing some of these things might be feeling. So I am sort of known as the autoimmune doctor. I wrote the autoimmune solution and the thyroid connection, both are New York Times bestsellers. But uh, mm -hmm. as we were talking earlier, honestly, the number one thing that people search me for is not for autoimmunity or thyroid, but actually candida and gut issues. So I've sort of been known as the gut doctor as well and the gluten doctor. So I'm kind of known as a lot of different things, but really getting to the root of what's going on with people. I mean, I, I honestly feel like I'm a detective. I'm naturally a curious person and the more complex the better. So I like to really dig down and find the root. And as I was originally an ER physician, and now I practice functional medicine, which if your listeners don't know, is really getting to the root and finding that and solving that. And then suddenly all these diseases that you've been given names to are gone or diseases yep. that nobody's ever been able to figure out what they are, like the fatigue and why isn't your performance where you want it to be and you have brain fog and you can't think straight and you have all this neurological stuff going on and everybody tells you they don't know what it is or ultimately maybe you're even cray cray. Right. So many, th <laughs> so many things are interconnected and everybody likes to put things in tight little boxes but not actually find the source of where it's coming from, that, well, that origin of all the symptoms. Right. Yeah. I mean, in medicine, we're really taught to hear something. And as soon as we hear something and sort of identify what that is in our brain to kind of stop thinking about it and then think, what pill can we give for that? You know, like what disease can we now name this? What condition? Oh, you have some burning right here. Oh, that's heartburn. Here's an antacid. We're not really taught to think, why do you have that? And much less, we're not taught to think, oh, you have brain fog, you have uh, bloating and you have a rash. 
you might go to three different doctors instead of thinking, oh, maybe how are those things related? And do you have candida? Because that certainly could cause bloating, skin rashes, and, you know, brain fog, fatigue, and digestive stuff. So let's talk about candida. Because I, I sent away my poop because I was curious about what was going on with me. And sent it away. That was, that's a very funny process. Because the, the most interesting part about sending away your poop is figuring out what you're going to poop in to collect the sample. So I found a, I found a container of wipes. And I just took the wipes out. And I just pooped in the wipes. Wait a minute. They didn't have like their own little medical grade containers for you to send the no, poop it was a home in. kit it yeah the like... one we use at my office literally has one of those red and white like things that you might get french fries in okay i mean that's tray. literally what comes yeah, in so the that's kit. Basically, that's, that was yeah. basically my solution no your solution's like... better because at least it was plastic because yeah. if something was like messy or big or watery so, so I, that I... thing can like flop <laughs> it can overflow hey i was an er doctor and in the peace corps so you want to talk poop i'm not embarrassed so so i created this nice little soft surf and then and then dipped in with this little tiny baby spoon like the end of a slurpy straw you dip in and then you put it in the test tube and then and then you send it away it was a funny moment at that point when i had to send this away and i was giving it to the to the warehouse and i was like this is my shit make sure it gets delivered and they're like what like like your things like no 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 like actually my shit is going is going there <laughs> anyway so it comes back and um i came back with uh partially undigested food particles and candida super high candida. oh you did i guessed it i already guessed it didn't yep, i you guessed it nailed it so and then from there you know i started doing research and starting to figure out what were the ways that i could start to combat that on my own but uh, instead of me going through my own variety of things, and I think Kyle, I think you've you've kind of had your yeah, own. Yeah, I had to battle, battle that for a year. You had your Candida own and parasites. Uh, your own little battle. What do you, you know? I didn't know you then. So what do you do in that situation? What's your What's your very first line of defense? And first of all, what the fuck is Candida? Yeah, absolutely. how do we get it? So we refer to Candida. So Candida is a yeast, and we kind of universally refer to yeast overgrowth as Candida because Candida is the number one type of yeast that that we typically have. Mm. But you could have an overgrowth of a different sort of yeast um, or different species. They, so, they they called mine like dividing and non-dividing on the test or something like that. Does this is probably sense? the stage in which it in yeah. which they found it. So we normally have a little bit of yeast in us. I mean, our, I think of our gut as like a rainforest. And so you have yeast in there, you have good bacteria, you have bad bacteria, and everything's and maybe even some parasites. And it's all sitting in there in balance. And then when we do things from taking antibiotics to eating a carbohydrate-rich diet to even possibly our thoughts, they can change the microbiome in our gut. And as as that rainforest changes, then potentially if something uh, that's keeping it in equilibrium gets out of balance, it can overgrow. So that's what I refer to as yeast overgrowth or candida overgrowth. You know, you can really, you can go on my website, Amy Myers MD, you can find lots of articles on this. Um, I run a candida challenge, but you can see um, a whole list of symptoms. So when I hear brain fog, that's probably the number one thing that I think of with yeast or candida. Certainly it can be digestive issues. Um, it can be rashes. It can be anxiety, depression, you know, 95% of our neurotransmitters are made in our gut. And when we get yeast overgrowth, it kind of lays a layer over the gut and then you can't make that serotonin. So that's why a lot of people have mood mind issues. And then candida itself can produce an alcohol, acetaldehyde, which can be neurologically toxic, which, which is why- Which, by the way, is the same thing when you're hungover as shit yeah. and you feel like death. Like 
it's the same thing right. that you're feeling. Like that's the toxic compound that comes from alcohol. Right. So you basically have a little brewery inside your stomach yes. making you a little bit hungover all the damn time. Which is why you can have neurologic problems, um, energy problems, uh, you know, brain function problems. So, and then you tested yours in your stool, and I write about a, lo a lot about this, that that is certainly one place, and that is the number one place that we do look for overgrowth. But you found yours on a urine test that was looking at your upper gut or your small bowel. So there are a number of ways that you can test for that yeast as that well. That ain't how Kyle got yeast in his urine. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be serious. Kyle's a savage. Well, it wasn't yeast in his urine. It was a byproduct of yeast That's in right. his urine. Yeah, it was just a passenger on that, right. on that hog that he was put in places he shouldn't. <laughs> just kidding everyone Kyle's happily married and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and then I also can do, I also do a blood <laughs> test that will see what your immune response is to candida so there are a lot of different ways that you can test for it but how you tested for it is probably the most common way as people look in their stool check but, your shit people but the reason that I'm telling them this that if people are saying oh my god yes all these symptoms that she's shouting out I have all of these and I did a stool test and it wasn't there, it doesn't mean you don't have it. It means that it could be in your upper gut or it could be hiding somewhere else that just didn't show up because that's testing specifically in your colon. So uh, how does somebody treat yeast? I think of it as a three-prong approach. The first step is to starve the yeast. So I feel differently than most people. I see you're drinking a kombucha over there. Mm -hmm. That is liquid yeast. So even oh, though it's no. good stuff, um, we'll talk. We'll talk about. We'll talk about fermented foods and prebiotics. And I feel differently than a lot of people do out there. And you know, this is based on my experience working as a physician, literally working with thousands of people who have candida overgrowth issues. Orlando, take my kombucha. <laughs> God it's a good it. thing after you've killed Just the kidding. yeast to I'm rebuild thirsty. the gut. Uh, so killing the yeast, so getting rid of uh, yeasty foods, complex carbohydrates. Yeasty foods, we're talking about beers, we're talking about... So any kind of fermented food. So we think of beer, obviously, as fermented, but even kombucha is fermented. Mm -hmm. So one... Kimchi, think... sauerkraut, all that's going to fall in the same boat. Yeah. But isn't isn't but, but that's like, uh, don't they use lactobacillus for a lot of these yeah. As, as the, so, and what it's doing in creating a food, it's like prebiotics or a food. You hear, eat your prebiotics, it helps build your good bacteria. Right. Right. So, I like to think of it as a fishbowl. You don't have like bad fish and good fish, and you throw in the fish food, and they only the good fish eat it. Like yeah. everybody eats it. So, that's why we were talking, or we were talking earlier about the paleo community. I used to, you know, well, I am very involved in the paleo community. Much of the diet that I propose is very paleo centric. And, um, and I'll have people who are, you know, doing paleo diets and in, initially they feel worse. And a lot of times it's because they've started adding in all of these good, what are considered good foods to feed your microbiome, mm -hmm. like the sauerkrauts and the kimchi and the, and, and the kombucha and stuff. But a lot of times what's happening is they have such an overgrowth of candida or something called small bowel bacterial overgrowth, which is different, but the symptoms can overlap a lot. And that's and, also called SIBO, right? Yes. And a lot of people have both of them because, you know, how do you get yeast? We didn't really talk about that, but antibiotics, high carb, high alcohol, high sugar, so one of the one of the ways that I had explained to me, and let me just see if this is right, is the antibiotics are kind of like the nuclear bomb of the of the gut. They kind of wipe out absolutely everything that's on there. And then so, you know, the yeast and the probiotic friendly bacteria in your gut biome, they all have to kind of attach to the walls of of your gut and intestinal lining. Now, when you wipe everything out, there's 
you open up space. And then that space can either be repopulated with the same thing, or it can be repopulated with yeast or other organisms that are ultimately pathogenic. It's like this, almost like, and then once you get them populated on the gut, then it becomes hard. It's like having crabgrass in your grass. Right? right, well, antibiotics are one way in which you can get yeast or candida overgrowth. I mean, we can go back to, you know, what was your mother's microbiome when you were in her womb to how were you born? Did your mother get antibiotics when you were in utero? Were you born by a C-section? We were talking about that earlier. I just adopted a child. She Fecal was commingling. Yes, and we had her seated. But you know, give what your it, baby a little dirty Sanchez yeah. if they come out from a C-section. So where you know, or wipe them down. You know, have them have them seated. So you know, how are you born? And then. And then, you know, what happened? Or were you breastfed, which has probiotics in it, has prebiotics in it, has enzymes in it that help the microbiome? Or were you formula fed where you're not getting all of that? And then do you have a dairy issue from being formula fed? And then did you get antibiotics and recurrent ear infections? So, I mean, it starts well earlier than that. And then some people aren't getting their yeast from just antibiotics. It could be someone who has a very high sugar diet, somebody who has stress can disrupt the microbiome, somebody who's you know drinking a lot of alcohol, other medications. Even Fortunately, Motrin. I meet none of those criteria. Yeah. I'm never stressed, I never eat sugar. Never drinks. <laughs> never drink. <laughs> never so, had antibiotics in my life. I don't know how I got yeast. Weird, right. so right. weird. But also antibiotics are different types of antibiotics. So some antibiotics are very specific and only kill certain types of bacteria and other ones are what are called broad spectrum. But those shouldn't be killing off the natural amount of yeast that's in your gut because they, when you have yeast is, is, is a fungus and, and bacteria are bacteria and then parasites are parasites. So if you take an antibiotic, it shouldn't kill the fungus and it shouldn't kill the parasite. Which is unfortunate because going back to your little, I think of it like an apartment complex, you, you shift everyone out, but you've left yeah. the candida and in so there. Then, so then right. they start moving in. They like yep. produce, yeah. produce more kids and like gypsies, they take over the whole little place rats. all of a sudden and all of a sudden everything's occupied by them. All right, so we're in the process of prong one, which is starving these guys out. Yeah. So in your in your model, you're saying you really want to starve out the yeast, even the probiotics, because some popular wisdom says, well, the probiotics are in kind of constant combat with the yeast, so you want to actually elevate your probiotics. Oh, no, no, I definitely elevate the probiotics. So that's the second part. No, you want to re-inoculate, so you want to starve the yeast. Okay. Yeah, you want to starve the yeast, you want to kill so the yeast, the, and then when you out, want to repopulate the, out, the gut. Get the sugar out, yeah. get the alcohol out. Absolutely. So I think where the kombucha came in was, is that feeding or helping the yeast? And there is different ways to do things. And I mm -hmm. feel that I'm different, but I'm, you know, this is based on literally dealing with thousands of people with candida. Yeah. So this is the way that I do it. I don't have them eat fermented foods at first. So we starve out the yeast, then we kill the yeast, you know, depending on whether you're a patient, you can use something, you know, if you're seeing me as a physician, we might use antifungals, which are a prescription. Uh, by the and time- those are, there's like Nystatin and then there's- Diflucan. Diflucan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a whole host of them, but yeah, those are the two main ones. Um, Diflucan's more systemic, so it will get it if you have yeast a lot of different other places. Nystatin's much more specific just to the gut. Yeah. So if I'm suspecting somebody with autoimmunity, they you know have lots of symptoms. We might go to the Diflucan. If they get their test back, it's very clear it's just to the gut. Shows sensitivity to Nystatin. We'll start there. But um, in my program, the Candida Challenge that I use on my website, we use. Um, well, we're formulating our own products here that will be called Can Defense very soon. Uh, but we use an enzy enzymatic product that breaks down the yeast cell wall, and then we also use caprylic acid that you're probably familiar with that comes from coconut. So mm -hmm. a lot of people here eat high coconut, MCT oil, all these things contain different types of acids that can also sort of 
poke holes in the yeast cell wall, causing like it C8 to die. Is that like C8 or C10? I think it's C8. Yeah. Capric, caprylic. Yeah. Maybe it's C10, yeah. Something like that. So, um, um, so there, if you need to go more advanced, there are other things that you can do. Things like um, some certain herbs, uh, oil of oregano, a lot of people have heard mm-hmm. about. I don't like to start there because it's back to that thought about antibiotics, how they can either be very specific or they can be broad spectrum. Something like oil of oregano is going to be very broad spectrum. Not only is it going to get the yeast, it might get your good bacteria too. So when I use a product like caprylic acid or an enzyme, it's much more specific to the yeast, Mm -hmm. sparing hopefully what good bacteria you have still in your gut. Right. And then we go in and help re-inoculate with a very high dose. You know, we have a, I have a probiotic on my website that's a hundred billion units that uh, of various different strains that we typically use. Yeah. So that's that's the approach. Starve. You, oh, I'm sorry. Jump, yeah. go Starve, ahead. kill, repopulate. Yep. General strategy. When you're talking about killing off these guys and maybe someone does not have access to you or access to the prescription heavy-duty stuff, uh, obviously oregano oil is going to clean house on everything. What are some things like maybe black walnut, wormwood that you use? How dark yeah, yeah, so that would I, be something from an herbal standpoint people could take to help break down. Absolutely. So, like I mentioned, you know, our, the first place that we start, and we have a candida challenge going on right now. We have about five hundred people going through it uh, right now. They're in week two, and there you go, people go, go people go. Y'all are doing amazing, <laughs> and um, we've already had literally trans life transforming you know, things that have happened in just as little as five days. So, I mean, the, the good news about all this, if you're somebody out there suffering, is that- There's hope. There is hope. No, there really is hope. And that a lot of times these changes, as I'm sure you guys know as well from your own health and, and you know, working here at On It, how quickly a lot of times changing the diet and making these interventions with supplements can make things happen. I mean, totally. it's it's really incredible. So we start with the with the enzymes and with the caprylic acid that comes from the coconut. If somebody needs to go even higher, I have another product that I um, call Microbe Clear on my website that does have uvarusa. It has black walnut. It has, um, I think, a little bit of berberine. Um, it has a little bit of caprylic acid. So that's where I go. It's a little bit more gentle. Um, I find, of course, depending on you know what dose you're taking, oil of oregano can be very effective. But again, it can kind of wipe out all that good bacteria. So that's really for me. Um, you know, I really don't even. You know, go my move there. with oil of oregano. So if we have like a social gathering, like we did the other day, where like everybody's playing my didgeridoo and we're like sharing drinks and sharing mapachos and whatever that's like the perfect time for me at the end of that night i take a full dropper of oil of oregano and i realize like whatever may be kind of starting to brew there just wipe that out you know just like start clean slate and that's been like a significant aid to my health because i used to get sick you know after gatherings like that Mm -hmm. where i was sharing a lot of drinks or sharing musical instruments or something like that but after that hack like i'm way i've been doing that with the black cumin seed oil I think that's really boosting the immune system when I know I'm under stress. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, I think doing something like that, like how you're using it can probably be super beneficial. I mean, you're reporting that it is. Uh, I think if you're going to be doing something like that on an ongoing basis, it could potentially wipe out your good bacteria or you need to definitely make sure that you're, you know, putting back in good bacteria. So it's not the place that I start. It's sort of the place like go to as a last resort, really, um, you know, why? Ha- but then I would be thinking, well, why haven't I gotten this? You know, I mean, that's my brain is always thinking, why? 
why, why, why? You know, why after you've done this round or you've done that round and you followed this program, why hasn't it gotten better? And then that's when I start thinking about things like heavy metals, toxic molds, other things that are kind of keeping it there. Let's talk about SIBO first. I want to get into that because this is one of those things where maybe you've dealt with some yeast, maybe you've got some other things, but then you're starting to repopulate your gut, but you're not repopulating the right part of your gut. You're repopulating, you know, the small intestine, in which case you're going to have another whole host of issues, in which case probiotics in general are, are going not a to, good thing are not a good thing yeah so so, so it like reverses the rules on you from what you think I, you should be doing to what you shouldn't be doing absolutely so um so when i'm dealing with SIBO, uh, small bowel bacterial overgrowth i typically will not have people on um, our typical probiotic i put them on a soil-based probiotic because anything with like lactobacillus potentially is just going to go in there and create even worse of a problem for people and those are your people who do take probiotics and like i blew up like i was pregnant I felt far worse on, you know, felt far worse on this. So, and that's, and I typically, again, there's a prescription that you can use to treat SIBO, uh, but if people don't have access to that, or even if they do, the prescription is very expensive. And for some people it didn't work. That's where a really good herbal supplement can come in for you. And where I use that one that I mentioned, the microbe clear, uh, Mm. very frequently. So we have a SIBO, um, program on my website as well. And we have a lot of people right now going through the yeast uh, protocol that are doing both. And so what I then do is tell them, get in the the enzymes and the caprylic acid, make sure you're cool and can tolerate all that, then add in the microbe clear and switch out the probiotics. So do the soil-based organisms first for the 30 days. And then when you're done, come back in with the high dose uh, you know, probiotics with the lactobacillus bifidobacter. In and it. what's the test you prefer for SIBO? So I am a person and I know that, you know, people listening out there are like testing, where am I going to find somebody? This is so hard. It's so expensive. I can't afford it. You and I were talking yeast. I didn't even know about your stool test. And I was like, I think you got some yeast. So I like listening to people and both my books, the autoimmune solution, the thyroid connection, even my website, I have little quizzes that you can take to figure out, you know, if you have one, both, what what's going on with you. So that is symptoms and signs and symptoms are always the best for me. But if you do want to test, there's two different tests that I use. One is um, a breath test, a hydrogen breath test that will tell you, um, you know, if, if you have SIBO, it also is really helpful to tell you what type of gas it's giving off, if it's, you know, methane producer or not. Or I also like, it's not perfect, but the, or the, a byproduct of the organics test, which is a, or an oat test. Um, it's looking again at the urine and tells me about the metabolites of the bacteria in your upper gut or small bowel. So when I see big imbalances there, it gives me a clue, but I, you know, I like listening to people. I mean, listening to people is, is the best way. So to distinguish SIBO and candida for me, just some things that I've noticed over the years is that SIBO is really that bloated. I eat, I'm bloated. Particularly you eat fruit, you eat carbs, bloated. I mean, I wrote an article. I mean, does farting count as being bloated? Or does um, that... Farting isn't really bloated. Farting is more how you had those undigestible uh, fibers. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So right after you eat burping, that's usually something like not having enough stomach acid. So if right True. after you I'm ate- good with something finally. Yeah. I'm not a burper. Right after you ate, if you burp, if you're burping a lot, that's usually low stomach acid. So you might benefit from- you know, adding in some HCL betaine. If lots of farting um, can be, and of course, any of this could be food sensitivity. So let's just put that on the table. Anything, and so that's always the first place to start sure. is to go through a good 
elimination diet. And, um, you know, both my books walk you through one of those if you want to do that. I don't know if you have programs that do that, but a good elimination diet is the first step in anything. Second is, um, is then, you know, figuring out why you got this stuff if it didn't get resolved just by getting off a certain food. So, uh, burping, usually HCL potentially, uh, farting can be digestive enzymes. Uh, if you notice literally almost like fat or oil in the, in the toilet bowl, that would be undigested fat. So that would be like bile salts. Mm-hmm. Um, bloating can be, of course, a food sensitivity, but bloating can be candida or yeast. I mean, candida or SIBO. But SIBO, I don't see a lot of the other systemic types of conditions. Now, rashes do come in rosea, you know, the, the rash here, I do see that with SIBO. But other than that, I don't see a lot of the fatigue, the brain fog, the neurologic problems, uh, the depression, the anxiety, because it's not giving off those toxic compounds that we talked about before that are literally irritating your nervous system and your brain. So I don't see those things with SIBO. So SIBO to me is much more either a rash or just the bloating. And yeah. candida, some people don't have any bloating at all with candida. I mean, they only have the external manifestations of, you know, some sort of rash or fungus or brain fog, but they actually don't actually feel anything in their digestion. And that could be because it's not, you know, sitting in their digestive tract. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about uh, die off? And this may apply oh, more yeah. to candida than to SIBO, <laughs> but how how you tackle that? What are some of the symptoms people go through when they have that? Yes, that's perfect timing because uh, I was just dealing with that last week with everybody, on, not everybody, but on the program. Some people have no die-off at all. And I mean, you know, we never want people to be, you know, feeling horrible where they can't get out of bed and they can't function. That's way too much die-off and you have to back off. But having some die-off is actually a good sign. I mean, it tells you like you're moving in the right direction that's what's wrong with you and you're actually killing it because as you're killing so, it. So let's explain. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So as you're killing it, you know, this yeast is kicking off all this acetylaldehyde, which as we mentioned, can make you feel drunk and whatnot. And then you're also starving the yeast. So you can feel that sort of almost like a withdrawal, like the, you know, the yeast, when people say, I just couldn't help myself. I had these sugar cravings. A lot of times that's the yeast. I mean, it needs to be fed. And it is literally causing you to go out and get that sugar so it will be fed. That's the funny thing about the body. We think of the body like it's one voice. But the oh. body is the combined voice of all of the organisms and cells that are in there. And oh. it comes, filters up through the whatever nervous system function. And then it tells the brain, all right, this is what I want. Well, the yeast are Eat contributing. They're contributing donut. to that get message it. as no, well. No, I mean, it's, it's so, literally like we are the puppet. I mean, that yeah. bacteria in there, and as we begin to really uncover this and really research it, that bacteria in there is is controlling us. We are not controlling that bacteria. I think it, it, we are the puppet. It's one of the reasons why I think in, in all of the mystical traditions, having a long fast was like a prerequisite to even spot, talk with the spiritual master, right? It's like, we got to settle down all, we got to starve <laughs> all of these other people that I'm going to be talking yeah. to so I can actually talk to the most essential you so that you're not talking to your yeast and I'm not talking to your right. parasites and I'm not talking to all of these other things that are going to get your mind all foggy and confused and emotional. You know, let's get down to the basics of that. And, and I guess, you know, fasting is that original form of ultimate starvation where, you know, your body is able to clear some of these things mm-hmm. out that require more sugar, you know, require things to be fed to them on a faster rate, whereas the other cells can survive longer. So yeah, fasting is that, is that kind of OG method to get back to ground zero. And that was the, that was the starting point of really 
all right, this is going to be the most essential me now. Yeah. And a lot of us probably don't even know what that fucking thing is because we've been getting run by our yeasts and our autopilot, autopilot by the worms. I mean, worms are in control. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like literally the body snatchers, except we don't realize it because we have this, this idea that it's in our control, but nonetheless, we keep reaching for the same foods. We keep, you know, getting the soda or we keep doing the things like, what is that? If we know we shouldn't do something, but we're doing it anyways, you know, then really do we have autonomy? How much agency do we have of choice? Well, let's get rid of some of these other things that are contributing to voices and then maybe we'll start to see, see where that balance is. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're killing off those other voices, they get angry. And as they're getting angry, you know, they're kicking and screaming and, you know, you can have flu-like symptoms. I mean, people will report feeling tired, um, you know, that their brain fog has gotten worse. I've seen sometimes people with psoriasis or hives or eczema, these things might actually get worse as more of it's kicking up and in, in, in producing these these toxins as they're dying off. So sometimes rashes will get worse. Um, uh, um, I mean, maybe bloating, uh, but usually it's the achy, fluey, I feel like crap. Or emotional kind of. sometimes. Yeah, yeah and sometimes, yeah. And have been angry and different things. Yeah. And also one of the things that these yeasts, and they don't just hold and produce the acid aldehyde they hold a lot of times the metals and all of these other things they hold that's actually one you know in the right proportion that's one of the valuable things that they provide for the body is they they consume the garbage yeah and when you kill them off well then they instead of holding the garbage inside their own cells they push that garbage into your body so one of the most important things for any cleanse that anybody's going through opening up the channels of detoxification absolutely you gotta sweat you gotta poop you got to pee. Pee, poop, you gotta and get yeah, sweat you every get, day. You got to get all day. the fluids yeah. moving, moving, cycling through your body. Otherwise, it's just going to stagnate and you're going to feel really sick. Yeah. So it was very interesting. You know, typically when we've done this, we've, you know, promoted the the challenge that we're doing now just to my list. And so most of them are very familiar with me. They're already eating pretty clean. We really don't have a lot of die-off reactions from people. I mean, a couple. This time we promoted it outside of our list. A, a fourth of the people were were new to me. And so we were just literally saying in our Facebook group, I said to my team, like, we have to redo this that as we're pushing this out to more people rather than start here and back off if you feel bad, start here and work your way up because those people are just much more toxic because they've they've never been exposed to anything that I'm talking about and they're just literally coming in off the street like, oh yeah, I got candida, I want to do this. And you have to be very careful um, when, when you're going to detox from something. I mean, it's why I don't recommend people do three-day juice cleanses or something because if you are not, your pathways are not open, you dump a bunch of toxins in and then- you feel like crap. And that can be dangerous because if you're not, you don't have the capacity to continue to get rid of what's being dumped, that's part of why you feel bad. So it's not one of these, oh, I felt so bad I couldn't get out of bed. This means it's working and yay, I'm the hero. It's like maybe feeling a little, okay, a little tired today, maybe a little achy today. Maybe instead of running five miles, I'm going to go on a three mile walk, not I can't get out of bed. That you definitely, in my opinion, and I never advise people to do that. They definitely want to back off and go more gently. Get that good infrared black swan yoga sweat going. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. But a nice yin flow class. <laughs> Nothing nice too yin, hard. Yeah, exactly. A lot of stretching, some a lot of twists, breath work. Some a lot of sweating. A little parasympathetic some, activation. <laughs> some infrared. That's uh-huh. what we're dialing in here. Internal we're not, work. We're not trying to you know, set our deadlift PR. While we're cleansing the yeast, no, out of our body. you should not. That's not the. I mean, that's not the if game. you're a pro athlete and you can continue to do that, awesome. But otherwise, that is not the time to embark and on. And also, the, and also, yeah. you, if you're around somebody like that and they turn into a prick, 
like you got to give them a little space and a leadway because the emotion the emotional side of it will come up i mean i've i'm generally a really easygoing guy but during cleanses i've like just fucking snapped at people you know like and i'm sure for fighters it happens too during weight cuts you know oh, yeah. like at a certain point when your body's going through something the emotions are harder to wrangle your your the reins on these things are not nearly as tight so you know just be mindful of your own emotions and be mindful and maybe even let the people know around you like hey i'm gonna go in through a cleanse if they're not familiar with it be like i may be i may be a dick don't take it personal don't take it yeah. personal i love you i will continue to love you and if i'm a dick i'm pre-sorry for my dickness <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely but i mean that's you know we talked about 95 percent of your neurotransmitters are made in your gut and if you're disrupting that microbiome, you know, you're going to have changes in your mood. I mean, there's studies showing with people, I, I don't know if the studies are actually in people, but certainly in right now, I think there were some in people as well doing um, doing uh, fecal transplants. You know, both, I think the the ones in with the rats were doing with weight where there were skinny rats and they got the fat rats poop and vice versa. And then the and then fat hyper, rats then, got skinny, but they did it. active rats. And, yeah. And, and anxiety and depression. Yep. And they, um, you know, their moods change. So it really is. These Kyle, bugs are ruling us. Can I swap poop? Well, can I get some of your poop? <laughs> I had, there's, a a DIY, there's a DIY online how to do your own there is? DIY fecal transplants. I was going down that rabbit yeah. hole for a little while because our I'd government in all of its wisdom has decided that, Fecal transplants on the medical is only for, uh, what is that very specific? C. diff. Yep. C. diff. Yep. Very, for C. diff infections. Although the treatment potentiality oh, it's for fecal incredible. transplants is incredible. Yeah. I, mean, I think I it's mean, one, of the front, one of the frontiers yeah. of medicine. Yeah. So basically, Kyle has just got to poop in a blender, and then we got to enema that into me, and I got to hold it in there for a while. I was while. picturing like a funnel and me like really trying <laughs> like, to get a like, tight like fit one, to the top like of it. One to one? One to one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That takes some good, good pushing. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you put it on YouTube, it will be a sensation. Yeah. It might get taken down. Just maybe. But, oh, see, see, what if both of us get an erection on the same video? <laughs> then it becomes a wild. Sorry, doctor. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes. cool. But uh, you're, so we're talking about stress here, right? And like, so like when we talk about a fast, that's a stressor. When we kill and we have a really high amount of die off, those are potentially adding stressors. Talk about how stress, just emotional stress, things like that can contribute to some of these imbalances in the gut as well. Yeah. So, I mean, stress, whether it's mental or physical, can affect our gut microbiome. I mean, there are studies showing uh, marathon runners at the end of a marathon that their white blood cell count is suppressed. So it is it can suppress the immune system. It can alter uh, the gut microbiome. So it really doesn't matter whether it's a legitimate real stress or it's just something in your brain or you know a thought that you're making. It's it's the the thought about something stressful is equally as stressful to the body and your physiology as literally the saber tooth tiger standing there. You know, what I wrote about in the autoimmune solution is that, you know, back in the day, it used to be, we all hear the thing, the saber tooth tiger, and it came and you were stressed and then it went away and then your stress went away. But now we're all stressed all the time, you know, got to get here, got to get there, access to our phones all the time, all these commitments. And so we're never getting that break. And when you're chronically stressed, the studies show that it suppresses your immune system down 40 to 70% below baseline. Damn. So it's not, you know, it's not just, oh, that little thing. It's real. I mean, it, it's how, you know, when, when you're going through a stressful event, basically like the saber-toothed tiger or a parent being ill or something like that, all this cortisol comes and it gives you this energy and it, and it gets you through the event. 
It's why steroids are a first-line treatment when somebody's sick or has autoimmunity. It helps bolster and improve the immune system. But then if that event continues for a long period of time, eventually the immune system gets suppressed. That's why, you know, you have a big event, maybe you had a fight or you, um, you know, have an exam that you're studying for and you can stay up two nights in a row and study for the exam and you got a straight A and whatnot and then you're on the plane flying home for the holidays and then you get the cold. You know, it's why all that is like, it comes that aftermath, like, damn, why didn't I get sick while I was studying for the exams? Because you had all that cortisol there to get you through it. But then why, you know, why did it happen a week later? Well, that's why it happened a week later. Yeah, and one of the things I was researching for my book on chronic stress is some of these stress hormones are what modulate and suppress the immune system response, that kind of natural inflammatory response that actually is what makes you feel sick when you're actually sick is having those, having those stress hormones actually reduce that and drop it out. But when you have chronic stress, like anything chronic in the body, like too much insulin or too much anything, the body starts to build up a tolerance to that. And so no longer do your normal stress levels are able to suppress the immune system because that's what these stress hormones do. When you get them, it, it suppresses all function, puts the priority towards the things that you would need to do, fight the saber-toothed tiger, run away, handle the task at hand, whatever, suppressing some of the more basic functions like immunity. But then in the presence, in the constant presence of these stress hormones, the body starts to develop a tolerance. So when you do get sick, it's harder to shut it off. It's harder to, to deal with these and, and you have a greater inflammatory response and then you have chronic inflammation. And then from that point, you know, you're down a whole rabbit hole of, of challenges. Right. And with the microbiome, you know, those stress equals high cortisol equals high sugar which then can also equal high estrogen. There's a link between high estrogens and candida, obviously high sugars and candida, you know, diabetics, you know, they typically always have candida. So you're also altering the microbiome just through all these stress hormones as well. Yeah. And sorry, right, so let's talk about stress here because the thing that, <clears throat> one of the roots of all stress is back in the day when there was an external stressor, again, that's, that's this kind of positive stress, this almost hermetic, version of stress where you get stressed for a minute and then it goes away. And that was a threat to the physical body. Now there can be chronic stress to the physical body. Maybe if you're in war or something like that. Right. But for us, chronic stress to the physical body, like actual danger that's happening, it doesn't happen. But well, we, we don't want to dismiss the people who are just in those hurricanes. That's true. Or yeah. crossfitters. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's can, a whole different happen. ball of wax. It can, those, it can happen. Yeah, you know, natural no, no, no. Disasters. I mean, there are certainly. I mean, I think, but it's on. But the it's way usually like to, The people probably listening to this podcast, you know, are not homeless. They're not, you know, having those. There are people who do have those, but they're not probably the people that are listening to this, yeah, right? And of, of course, there are people who are in abusive relationships. I mean, yep. there's there is a lot of stuff that could be going and on. First responders and yes. soldiers, whatever. ER doctors. All, yep. shift, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are there are there are people. Night shift workers. Yeah. Well, ER doctors is more occupational stress but like physical stress but most of the time it's not that most of the time it's because it's mental it's mental and that's yes. because we identify as our identity and we treat our identity as ourself and if our identity is the same as our body we will respond to threats to our identity the same way that we would respond to threats to our body emotionally so we're translating that signal now what is the threat to your identity losing some money losing your status losing a relationship these are things that are pieces of your identity that you will defend and treat internally in your body the same way that you would treat an actual threat to your body because that's what we're identifying with. So a lot of the psychological work 
that I think is really important to underlie these fundamentals of health is to be able to separate and disattach from these elements of identity so that we're not treating every threat to our identity, every, oh, loss of status in job or loss of social status or loss of relationship status like we would treat an actual threat to our living organism because that's how we're translating it emotionally. But if we can disattach from that and say, okay, that's my identity, beautiful, I like it, I've created this nice masterpiece, this sculpture, it's lovely, but it's just my identity. And so that when threats come to that identity, we don't respond like it's a saber-toothed tiger. We respond with a, ah, interesting. Well, I'll fix this and, and then move on. And that's, I guess, not you know, necessarily, you know, <clears throat> that's to me one of the most practical psychological elements, but also one of the most difficult to do because Absolutely. disattaching from your identity, that's a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, do. you know, I think that's where um, everybody has their, what they're good at and you know what what they were here for you know for me i do talk about that and i do talk you know when people have i mean most people that i see not most but many people i see have traumatic backgrounds i mean i deal with a lot of people with very complex issues autoimmunity thyroid dysfunction they have a lot of trauma typically in their lives i don't know if it's everybody has trauma or you know it's just a lot of these people with autoimmunity have trauma and so you know it's it's an onion and you're peeling back that and it's important for people to understand that as part of their potential health history and to if that is what's going on to work with somebody or read your book or you know mm-hmm. find out about that i mean I, I think it's it's difficult to to conquer it's like you got to deal with one thing at a time mm-hmm. there're not a lot of people who can kind of deal or think about what you're thinking about, which is very important, while they're also thinking about this other aspect of just literally how are they going to get, you know, they got this diagnosis, how are they going to, you know, they're seeing their job, they just got an MS diagnosis, and they're, you know, thinking five years ahead, and will they be able to provide for their family, and how are they going to be there, you know, as a mother to their children, and those kinds of things, and it's very, very important. Challenges to the body make it harder for you to deal with challenges to the mind. Challenges to the mind make it harder for you to deal with challenges to the body. Like, ideally, this multi-pronged approach of, like, working on your mindset practices, going meditation, floating, ecstatic dance, all of these practices to get the mind in a better condition along with all the practices to get the body in a better condition. Because if you work on only one or the other, the other thing will drag you, you know, yes. drag you into the, into the dark waters one way. If your body's not right, it's going to continually give you challenges for your mind. If your mind's not right, it's going to continually give you challenges for your body. And I think that's why, I mean, both Kyle and I have experienced ayahuasca multiple times. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a transformative medicine is it's incredibly cleansing and purgative for the body. So there's actually a physical sensation happening where you're releasing a lot of particularly in the gut you're releasing mm. a lot of things through the gut as well as you know altering some of the thoughts in your mind so you're hitting it on both sides whereas some of these other things they don't stick necessarily as much because maybe you just fix something in your mind but you had actually no physical change at all the physical body then regenerates those same thought patterns and those same traumatic issues that you've stored somatically or stored you know, neurochemically in, in your psychobiome or, you know, however you want to look at it, then it's good. You got to be able to treat both. Absolutely. I mean, I, I always say it literally takes a village and, you know, and I am open to many ideas and many modalities. And, you know, I've 
got sick with autoimmunity with Graves disease in medical school. It's why I do what I do because conventional medicine failed me and is literally my mission to not have it fail other people. Got well. And then I got sick again last year from a toxic mold exposure. And I didn't just, I mean, I of course treated me, but I I went to all kinds of energy healers. I mean, all kinds of stuff that I did. And I'm always telling people, I mean, there are some people that all they need is me or all they need is this or all they need is that. And they can get it in a book or they can do it in the cleanse or they can do it in the challenge. And then there are other people who might need, you know, ayahuasca or something else. I mean, that's not something I've personally done. Um, and I, it's not something for everybody. Right. But right. You know, I, I think so just to me, it's the, it's that it's the idea openness to of, know that yeah. it literally takes a village. And there's also never one <clears throat> right way to do something. Right. I mean, there are somebody who could tell you that ayahuasca cured them of their XYZ because it had such a profound impact. I mean, maybe that they just believed that that experience was going to get rid of their autoimmunity. And they went in and they had such a profound experience that it did alter the or chemistry. Maybe their autoimmunity work. was caused by stress. The ayahuasca right. alleviated the stress and then their autoimmunity left. You right. Know, there's I so mean, there, many there's mechanisms so many. of action. Exactly. There's so many. So, I mean, I know what I do and I know what I do very well. And when I see something that is not 100% responding to what I have to offer, we go in a lot of different directions. I mean, I literally had a, a consult with somebody yesterday and I was giving out, they happen to be local. And I'm like, I, you know, my Lyme test showed up, you know, testing is only so perfect. And the testing that we do in functional medicine is the best that's out there. But it's not, it, there are things that we don't know about yet. I mean, the number of tick-borne illnesses that we don't even have a test to pick it up is incredible. So, you know, my Lyme test came back 100% negative. This guy's test came back relatively negative. When I talked to him, he sounds like he has Lyme. I'm convinced he has Lyme. Yeah. So I said, look, I got these three people I want you to see. And all three of them in, in their own ways, in an energetic way, picked up that I had been exposed to some type of a tick-borne illness. I said, independently, all three got the same result, independent of one another, don't even know each other. And so I said, I need you to go see these three different people and see what they pick up on you. Because I think you have Lyme. My blood test does not show that you do, but you are screaming Lyme from all of your symptoms. So, you know, it's, it's all energy and it's much bigger than us. And we don't have all the answers. Yeah. Just come with humility, you know, and know that come with humility and an open mind a skeptical mind is always good you know especially when you're paying high dollars and someone's talking to you through a a microphone made of amethyst or something like that you know you want you want to come with that come with that with a little skepticism for sure let's talk we only got a few minutes left yeah but especially with all this wet weather coming through and um just something that's kind of ubiquitous let's talk a little bit about mold yeah because that's something that i mean fuck if you know, your house may still be standing, but if it's soaked through to the bone, it may be Run. better if it, it may be better if it got, you know, bowled over. Yeah. So a couple of quick things about mold. Mold is ubiquitous. Not all molds are toxic and not all mold, even toxic molds are not toxic to everybody. So, um, so there are certain types of molds that give off basically a VOC called mycotoxins. It's a gas. So regular mold conventional testing is not even going to pick it up. It's not what they're testing for. You cannot see it. You cannot smell it. It is just there in the walls, literally like the formaldehyde coming up the floor. You might be able to smell that. So 25% of the population has the genetics to be, uh, to not be able to clear these mycotoxins from their system. So it's why I will often see people in my clinic. There are four people living in a home. Only one of them is sick, which makes it even more difficult. The number of people who've told me, oh yeah, I saw black mold growing on my wall. 
so few. I mean, like, who's going to see black mold growing on their wall and still be living there or not have done something about it? Probably not many people listening to this podcast and probably not many people who come to see me. So typically, they never can even find the mold. But, you know, we uncover on lab tests, again, various things, and I can get into that, that it's a problem for them. And it can very much affect people's immune system and suppress people's immune system. And I see it as an underlying cause for a lot of autoimmunity that I see. And you are correct. I mean, I just, I'm from New Orleans um, and I just went home and, um, I mean, I've been back since Katrina, but I think since my last, I've been exposed to it twice. I've literally gotten rid of everything I own twice in my life. I have to give kudos to my husband the first year into our marriage. uh, We spent our one year anniversary with me sleeping on a balcony in a rented apartment because we had to ditch everything that we owned. Minimalists. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was in the Peace Corps. I know how to do it, right? I mean, I know yeah. how to do it. And talk about not being attached to crap. So, um, so uh, yeah. So it it is real. Um, it is very, very hard to uncover. And even if you're working with a functional medicine doctor, if they've never really personally been exposed to this because they don't teach a lot about it in functional medicine, as more people are getting exposed, many of us, um, they, you know, we're beginning to get more teaching in there. But you really got to work with somebody who really understands this. And the best thing you can do for most people is to just get out. Um, I mean, I've seen people go through very expensive renovations and, you know, they still can't be there. And when you're dealing with a place like- So what kind of house tests do you recommend? So I actually don't recommend that people test their house unless they really want to, because if you test your house, I mean, unless you like know where there might be the problem, of course, you never want to pass on a home to somebody that there is a problem. But if you test your home and then you don't know where you can even possibly go to find it and it's going to cost you gazillions of dollars, I mean, you have to disclose that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, for our home, um, I mean, one, I'm very sensitive. Like I literally have a patient who I'm fairly sure it's in her house. I don't have a lot of patients here in Austin. I mean, people literally fly from around the world to see me. So when I actually have a patient in Austin, it's kind of helpful because, you know, I, I could go over to her house. I offered to come to her house. I said, look, I'm super sensitive. I'll come over and tell you if I can feel it in your house. Um, my husband just very quickly to tell you how sensitive I am. A friend of ours owns a car dealership and they had a demo that only had a thousand miles on it. And I got in the car and of course there's a little bit of off gassing, but not a lot. Turn on the AC and I'm like, there's something in the AC. And it just like kept happening, kept happening. And I'm like, we can't buy, I mean, forget saving the money. I can't like every time you turn on the AC, yeah. then I remembered it was of his wife's and they used to be patients of mine. And I remember they had a bunch of leaks. I mean, I remember this after I already you know, knew there was mold and there's one woman, not one, there are probably more, but a woman who's far more sensitive to me. So I had her come get in the car and she was like, oh no, it's in the AC. I was like, yeah, I thought so. Send the car back, just go buy a new one. Um, so I'm very sensitive to it. Feels good in here, feels fine in here. Just if you were wondering, because <laughs> most people often do want to know when I'm my there. desk after. Yeah, right, <laughs> I, can, I can come. Um, but so, so I don't actually typically recommend people do their house, but if they do decide to do their house, they want to do something called an ERMI test, E-R-M-I. They can just Google it. It's a dust test because what happens when the VOCs come off, they will land in the dust. Um, and so it's not what most uh, mold testing is doing when you go get a somebody to come in and do mold testing. They test the outside air sample for mold spores, and then they come in and test the spores inside your home. And if the levels inside your home outweigh the ones outside, you know, 
or they're high, then you have a problem. But we're not testing for spores. I mean, you can do that and maybe you'll pick something up. But most of the molds that really give off these VOCs that are very toxic to people are not the thing that are going to be there and, you know, that are going to show up in the spore model. So Mm -hmm. ERMI test. What I do in my clinic is I test people um, in a urine test through a lab called Real-Time Lab that... um, that tests four different mycotoxins. So it's limited. I mean, there are lots more mycotoxins than just four, but it tests for four of the most common mycotoxins and sees your level in your urine. But then that doesn't tell us where you're exposed. There's blood testing you can do. Survivingmold.com is Richie Shoemaker's website. He has a visual contrast test that you can tell it or see if something is affecting your brain neurologically. I'm kind of going quick because I know we're ending, but this is super important. But you, it then doesn't distinguish that from mold versus, say, lime or something. And then there are labs that Richie Shoemaker recommends that you can get done at a regular lab that will check your genetics to see if you are predisposed towards this, as well as some indicators is of whether you're Is there something you can fun, funnel your 23andMe into? that all? No, there's not. So apparently on 23andMe, it's it's either not tested or it does it, it's very difficult to discern even when you put it into one of the things that spits yeah, yeah. it out mm-hmm. it's very difficult to discern yeah and the other thing too as we as we wrap this up a lot of things that you could be worried about but the most powerful defense you have is your own mind so don't think yourself into being sick absolutely you can, you can certainly do that don't think freak yourself, yourself into being well don't is freak what you yourself into that visualize yourself being well carry the emotions of a, of a well person not the, not the emotions of a sick person and that's going to bring you a lot of the way there Absolutely. and then if you still got stuff going on check it out but relax it's not life or death not even life or death is life or death right kyle that's right brother that's right brother yeah Doctor. i mean the thing is is that i've seen so many sick people get well yeah. I mean, that that's the thing it's like <clears throat> you just haven't found the right person or the right answer yet but keep looking and you will find it as maestro alberto famously said we can fix anything but dead <laughs> <laughs> And that seems to be the world we're in. Um, you got two books. Why don't you hold them up to the camera? People can see. And um, if people want to go to amymd.io forward slash on it, we have a special gift. Ooh, shit. For you peeps. Special gift, people. Do special it. Special gift. Say that, say that URL one more time. amymd.io forward slash on it. Love it. Go there. Get it done. Get well. Be happy. Share yeah. some love. Have some fun. That's right. And take a look. Check out my man, Kyle Kingsbury, taking over the new On It podcast. You got some fucking fire coming on. You got Rob Wolf and Uriah Faber and a bunch of other people who are coming on. Lots of good guests. Check us out on Facebook every week on the On It page. We're doing live Q&As once a week, 6 p.m. Central Time every Wednesday. Hell yeah. Hey, thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was awesome. It's been great. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another show. And the best thing you can do to support the show is not only download and listen, which is awesome, but also subscribe to the show. That boosts us up in the iTunes rankings. That helps spread the podcast to even more people, even more ears. And that is, of course, greatly appreciated for myself and the mission at large. And if you're interested in more content like this, definitely make sure to check out the On It podcast. Kyle Kingsbury, who you heard today on this podcast, is taking that over. He's incredibly knowledgeable. He has amazing guests coming up, including Rob Wolf, Uriah Faber, experts from around the world that he's going to be interviewing. The podcast is going to take a totally new turn from anything that it had been before, and I think you guys are going to fucking love it. 
So definitely check out the Onnit podcast launching soon. Thanks, everybody.